ministry as a senior pastor and associate pastor. And probably the number one question I get asked comes somehow in the form of, why is this happening to me? Why am I suffering? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? I hear it all the time. How do we handle suffering in our life? This week, I had to change the way I preach on this passage. Because I preached on this passage many, many times. And I would always look at the American Christians and I would say, you don't know anything about persecution. That changes now. When we have people who will walk into an African American church in Charleston and shoot people just because they are black, when we have people who will walk in to a school and shoot people and single out those who are Christians, we don't need to go overseas any longer to see Christian persecution. We've got it here. But God has a message in his word for us. I am not African American. I am British American. We have a phrase that became very popular during World War II, and it has resurfaced now. Keep calm and carry on. You see it all over posters. You see various, various uh, renditions of it, changes. But it's keep calm and carry on. That is the message of 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19. Keep calm, carry on. Peter tells us that there are three kinds of suffering in this life. And you, you're usually experiencing one of these types at some point in your life. The first point, the first kind is common suffering. It, it's just because we're humans. We live, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. All right, our bodies fall apart. They decay. As we get older, things start to go wrong. I can't see the clock anymore. That's why I bring my own. You can thank me after the service. We just decay. That's common suffering. Our bodies wear out. As part of life, we have suffering as, as human beings. Okay, it's just common. It's common to everyone because we're human. But then there's a second kind. I call it carnal suffering. Carnal suffering. Suffering that I cause myself by the choices I make. The dumb decisions I make, I've made a lot. I've made a lot. Yeah, yeah, so have you. If you go out and get drunk on a Saturday night, don't complain because you have a hangover on, on, on the next morning. Amen? That's carnal suffering. Yeah, you did that yourself. Think of all the things that we've done to ourselves. You know, we bring a lot of suffering on ourselves because of the dumb decisions that we make, the dumb things we choose to do. But then there's that third kind of suffering. 
It's Christian suffering. That's what Peter talks about in this passage. Christian suffering. That's when you suffer for doing good. That's when you suffer for being who you are. That's when you suffer because you are naming the name of Christ. And you suffer redemptively. Jesus is the best example of this. He did right, but yet he suffered. Suffering sometimes, though, is for our own good. Suffering is for our, our betterment. First Peter chapter 4 says there's a, there's a few things you need to, to do when you suffer as a Christian, and we need to understand these things. Because when you suffer for your faith, when you are harassed because you are a believer, it doesn't matter whether it's at work or at school or in your neighborhood or within your family, when you suffer like that because you are a believer, when people ridicule you because of the stand that you take, because you stand up for what is right, what do you do? Well, Peter says do three things. I just break them down into two. Keep calm and carry on. All right, but we'll go with Peter's stuff, though, today, all right? These three things. Number one. He tells us to comprehend what is happening. We need to comprehend what is happening. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. He says, don't be upset when these things happen. Don't be upset when people put you down. Don't be upset when people challenge your faith. He, he said, don't, don't be frightened. Don't be shook up. You should expect it coming. If you didn't know it was coming, he just told you it's coming. So you know it now. So don't, don't think it odd or strange. Be prepared. If you're going to be a believer, there are points in your life that people are not going to like. And Jesus was very realistic about this. Jesus was honest. He said, you need to consider the consequences of a commitment to me. You need to count the cost. It's not all going to be a bed of roses. Everyone is not going to love you and, uh, when you leave these doors. Oh, we may love you in here, but everyone out there is not going to be happy. We love holiness and righteousness. We love justice in this place. But the world is not like that. So don't think that the love you get here, you're necessarily going to find it out there. It's not always going to happen. And Jesus said that. John 15, 20, Jesus said, do you, you remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. Did they persecute Jesus? You bet. Then he says, they're going to do the same thing to you. Don't be, don't be caught off guard by it. Comprehend what is happening. We often forget that we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. We can't see the spirits. We can't see the angels and the demons around us. But they are here. And they are battling. And they are trying to get to you. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. By the way, I'm doing a, a series on Ephesians Thursday nights at 6 p.m. We still got Ephesians 5 and 6 left to go. Two more weeks, be here, okay? We're having a lot of fun. Notice how I worked that in there? I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> Ephesians 6.12. The Apostle Paul said, For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. Satan would like to, to, to hurt God, but he can't hurt God. So he does the next best thing. He tries to hurt his children. A lot of you know my past, and you know, you know my story, and I was not a good person. That's an understatement. But when I changed, when Christ changed me, then it was my children who had to be protected from the organization, from the evil. And so they had to go under, under, undergo all kinds of, of security, and we had, to, we had to be concerned, overly concerned, yes. Because we knew the organization would do what it could to hurt me, and it tried. But we were also very concerned about what would the organization do to other children. You see, when they can't get to me, then they're going to go after my kids. And that's exactly what Satan does. He can't hurt God. But he can hurt God's children. That's us. And we need to be aware of that. We need to comprehend what is happening. Secondly, we need to celebrate when it does happen. Oh, that sounds strange, doesn't it? We need to celebrate when it does happen. Peter says, verse 13 of chapter 4, 1 Peter, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. He says, don't complain when it comes. Celebrate. Rejoice. Don't have a pity party, just have a regular party. I mean, it, it, that almost sounds like masochism. That, that almost sounds like a martyr complex. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But the key word there is rejoice. He doesn't say enjoy when you are put down for Christ. He says rejoice. There's a difference. There's a big difference between enjoyment and rejoicing. You are not going to enjoy it when people mistreat you. But you can rejoice if it is for Christ. Big difference. Rejoicing means choosing to have that positive attitude in spite of it. Rejoicing means putting our faith in God regardless of what is happening because we know who wins ultimately. It is our God. There's some reasons to celebrate. Peter tells us what they are. First of all, it draws us closer to Jesus. 
It draws us closer to Christ. Verse 13, but rejoice to the extent that you, here's, here it is, partake of Christ's sufferings. That word partake, in the Greek it's the word koinonia. It's the word for fellowship. Fellowship means you get to know somebody up close and intimate and personal. Closeness, intimacy, commonness. It, it says that when you suffer for Jesus' name, you have fellowship with Christ. It draws you closer to Him. You might say, well, how does that, how does that happen? We see it all the time. When people go through suffering together, there's a bond. Ask any veteran of a war. There's a bond. They may never have met each other during the war, but if they run into each other afterwards, then there's a bond there because they, they both experience some of the same things. And they're drawn closer together. That's what happens when we suffer for Christ. We are participating. We are partaking of the very sufferings that He endured for us. So it draws us closer to Christ. Secondly, it means that God's Spirit is with me. When you're having a tough time for Jesus' sake, it means God can be seen in your life. Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Why can I be happy when people put me down for my faith and and they challenge me? It's because it it means congratulations. Somebody is seeing something different in my life. Obviously, they notice the difference. If you are never challenged for your faith, what does it say about your faith? If no one ever comes against you, and yet we know there are plenty of people in the world that are doing the devil's work, and they are going to come against If no one comes against you, what does it say about your faith? It's not being shown. It's flabby. It's not in good shape at all. Paul told Timothy, all who live godly lives will suffer persecution. If I don't ever have anybody challenge me. Now, I'm not talking about all the time. But if you never have anyone challenge your faith, you've got to ask yourself, what kind of faith do I have? So comprehend what's happening. And then celebrate when it does happen. Celebrate it. And thirdly, carry on. Carry on. How do you do that? You refuse to be ashamed. Refuse to be ashamed. There are no secret agents in God's family. You take a stand. Jesus said, anyone who is ashamed of me in this wicked and adulterous generation, of him will I be ashamed before my Father when he cometh in glory. God says, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Jesus Christ was not ashamed to die for you. Don't be ashamed to live for him. He says that that when you are put down for your faith, refuse to be ashamed. Don't be hampered by the cynics and the critics and the cowards. It's a coward who walks in to a church, sizes them up for an hour during Bible study, 
and then pulls out a gun after he figures out there's probably no one in here with a gun and starts shooting. That's a coward. It's a coward who walks into a school that he was well aware of, fully familiar with, knowing that it was a gun-free zone, knowing that there was no security, with, with even with a gun, anywhere on the campus. It's a coward that walks into a place like that and opens fire on innocent people. That's a coward. Don't be ashamed. Take your stand for Jesus. Don't be ashamed to stand up to the cowards and the cynics and the critics because they will come. How you respond personally, when you are personally attacked, how you respond, that can be a powerful witness. No doubt we will hear more stories coming out of just what happened this week. There are powerful witnesses. No doubt that God's Holy Spirit will use that to move upon others and cause them to take up the stand for Christ. 1 Peter 4.16 If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Matthew 5.10 God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, 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 he's not talking about suffering for being obnoxious. I've met a few obnoxious Christians in my life, haven't you? He's not talking about that. Don't be one of those. Some people are just goofy, you know, and they're just strange. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and then they wonder why they don't have any friends. You know? Well, because you're, 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 just, you're, just, you're just odd people, you know. I, I don't know. It's, there's some Christians that are just like that. They, 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 they turn you off. No, he's saying you can be a normal person, but when it comes time, When it comes time, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. It doesn't mean you have to carry your Bible around and have the biggest Bible around, you know, the biggest and the heaviest. It doesn't mean that every word out of your mouth has to be you quoting Scripture. You quote Scripture at the appropriate time. You've got to have a little sense about you, amen? It doesn't mean you go beating people over the head with it, you know? You can't walk into work and say, hey, you dirty, rotten sinner. You, know, you can't do that. All right? You're not, no, it's, it, it doesn't work that way. But you love them into the kingdom. You give them an example. You always be ready to share the word when the time is appropriate. The Holy Spirit will show you when that time is appropriate. You learn to listen to him. Well, the last thing, refuse to be intimidated. Refuse to be intimidated. The problem there is really, it's so often, it's fear of rejection. We're afraid of what other people will think of us. Well, the one thing is, you realize that you don't need the approval of other people. 
You don't need the approval of other people to be happy in life, to make it in life, to be blessed in life. You don't need everybody's approval. You know, I mean, whether you approve of me or not, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, I want you to approve of me. We all want that. But, you know, if you reject me, I am still going to have my faith in Christ. If someone rejects you, maintain your faith in Christ. And you realize you don't need the approval of everybody in order to be happy in life. Paul, but here's, here's the second part of that. Realize that you do need God's approval. That's the approval you've got to have. You've got to have God's approval. Be more concerned about what God thinks of you than what other people think of you. That's called spiritual maturity. 1 Peter 4.19 Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. That's what you're supposed to do. Commit your souls to him in doing good. Doing the right thing. Notice it says, those who suffer according to God's will. You mean to say that sometimes it's God's will that we suffer? Absolutely. He never promised a rose garden. Sometimes suffering is exactly what God needs to bring into your life. You know, there's a certain brand of Christianity out there that that says God wants everyone to be healthy and wealthy and millionaires and you should always be healed. And I mean, that paints a beautiful picture. But that's not God's reality. Sometime we're called to suffer for God's will. God is more concerned in your character than your comfort. God is more concerned in your holiness than your happiness. And God is more concerned in your faith than your fun. We need to understand that too. Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul sums it up, what Peter is trying to say. He says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, Jews first and also Gentiles. Comprehend, celebrate, and carry on. Persecution, it is here. but keep calm about it and carry on in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God will see us through. Those who lost their lives this week because they named the name of Christ, they are with him right now in glory. And I guarantee you, that they heard that, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
keep calm, carry on for God. 